0: i'm larry mckee with mckee's cattle company belmont texas you're listening to the latest news in texas agriculture on texas ag today
1: welcome to texas ag today a daily look at the latest news in texas agriculture Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State.
2: Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is always great to have you along for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas sheep producers traveled to Denver last week for the American Sheep Industry Convention. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. I'm Carrie Martin, I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: Texas High Plains Feed Yards are finding it difficult to keep their margins in the black, even at $1.72 a pound. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today
4: new vegetable varieties for 2024. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll take a look at some of those varieties well ahead of planting time this year, straight ahead on Texas Ag Today.
5: Central and East Texas have seen record low temperatures along with snow and ice this week. Many may be concerned about whether their warm season forages would survive severe winter weather. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton.
2: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The American Sheep Industry Convention wrapped up last week in Denver with several representatives from Texas there. Brady Rose Evans of Midland is the co-chair of the ASI Young Entrepreneurs Committee.
5: And so I spend a lot of my time up here meeting with the first-time attendees, um, trying to help them figure out where they're supposed to be and then we have programs as well that we put on to try to help them figure out how that they fit into our industry and into our organization as well.
2: Baylor Walker is a sheep producer in Glasscock County just south of Big Spring. He made the trip out to Denver and says it gave him a good look at the sheep industry outside of Texas.
3: I think the thing I realize is You know, we think we know about our industry, but we know about our regional area. And when you talk to people all over the U.S., you realize how varied it is and how there's all these things that you really don't. Didn't realize were going on behind the scenes, other parts of the industry and and how blessed we are to be in Texas where it's most of it's privately owned land and we're not running. You know, these people have all these leases and BLM leases and have to move around and are at the whim of someone else over how they can operate.
2: Some of the big topics at last week's ASI meeting included the Farm Bill, Preventing Foot and Mouth Disease, and Direct Consumer Marketing. The Texas International Produce Association will induct five people into the Texas Produce Hall of Fame.
6: The Hall of Fame recognizes outstanding leaders who have significantly contributed to the betterment of the produce industry in Texas. This year's inductees are the late Danny Arnold of AW Produce, James Bassetti of Little Bear Produce, Bruce Frazier of Dixondale Farms, Frank Schuster of Valverde Vegetable Co., and Bernie Teal of Sunburst Farms. Jim Henderson will be honored with this year's Scott Toothaker Award. The award honors those not directly involved in agriculture who have made immense contributions to the industry. The Hall of Fame inductions will be held January 29th at the Mission Event Center in Mission. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. The Mexican
2: government is extending zero-duty access to certain food imports from eligible suppliers through the end of this year. Those include pork, beef, and poultry. Now, of course, the U.S. and Canada already have duty-free access to Mexico as a result of the U.S.-Canada-Mexico Free Trade Agreement. This extension will likely benefit other beef and pork exporting countries. Texas High Plains feedlots are finding it difficult to keep their margins in the black. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Not too
3: long ago, Texas High Plains cattle feeders were making fairly good profits. But with fed cattle prices in the cash market currently running around $1.72 a pound, Brady Miller of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association says feed yards are struggling.
4: You've kind of heard me talk about over the last couple months, the ebb and flow. Yes, we're making $100. Yes, we're making $150. We stayed kind of in that neutral, in that even zone for a long time. But with the price drop that we've had here in the last couple months, we peaked at about a 184, 185, 186. We went all the way down to 168. We bounced back here in the last month or two, couple months, back into the mid 170s. But today, at cash being at a 172, that is about a $300 loss on a cash
3: basis. Yeah, so that that's pretty tough. Um, obviously, you can look historically. 172 would sound like a pretty good price.
4: Historically 172 would have been a good price. But by the time you figure in inflation, you figure in all the different costs that goes in to these cattle. Uh, you figure in what an animal, what a feeder costs to place into a feed yard. The last three or four years, the inflationary aspects of the industry, kind of like anything. I mean, if you go to the grocery store, if you go buy gas, we're seeing it in all aspects of life. So it's not any different. We're at a different level today. At the 172, you know, a handful of years ago, you would have been making really decent money and today, 172 loses you 300 bucks.
3: Brady Miller of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association says, One input cost that is really hurting cattle feeders' margins? Those high interest rates everyone in agriculture is talking about. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Vegetable seed producers are releasing new varieties for 2024. Tom Nicoletti has the story.
4: My guest today is Clegg Smith. He is area business manager with Gowan Seed. He is based in Weatherford. And Clegg, we are into the new year, and of course there are a lot of vegetable producers across Texas itching to start planting their vegetables in the spring. And then of course there's those fall vegetables later in the year. But what are some uh, new vegetable varieties for the new year? We cover from
7: the very tip of, of South Texas all the way up through the Plains in West Texas and from everything from El Paso all the way to East Texas. So it's hard to hit one certain spot. But just in general, I would say we've got some really exciting new bean varieties, one of them being PV-857 from Pop Vriend. They also have another variety called Pelican. Really, really nice dark green green beans that are really doing well in the marketplace, yielding well, and have the disease resistances you need here in the state of Texas. Watermelons, we're really... A- excited and fascination has been the mainstay variety for a good long time but there's some new up and coming varieties Cicada has one called El Capitan that's a really nice dark rinded red interior variety that makes good size for the state of Texas. We also have Red Garnet is a new one that's from Enzazaden. In the yellows we have one called Yellow Buttercup really 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 nice yellow meat seedless variety and if you need a pollinator I would say uh, there's 8585 from Cicada and there's Stargazer from Semines so that pretty much hits the, the highlights of, of watermelons. When we look at sweet corn, we got an excellent new sweet corn. It makes really, really good size, really great tip fill, and yields really, really well. And it's called Superb. It's from IFSI, Illinois Foundation Seed. It's a 74-day, which is really exciting here. It's as early as we found for the Texas market.
4: That is Clegg Smith. He is with Gowan Seed out of Weatherford. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Central and East Texas saw record low temperatures along with snow and ice this week. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson looks at how that bitter cold weather could affect warm season Bermuda grass.
5: As a warm season grass, Bermuda grass can be sensitive to winter damage despite dramatic genetic improvement to cold tolerance. Winter kill can be caused by a combination of factors. Winter kill is dependent on moisture, low temperature, and the duration of low temperatures. Low temperatures can be damaging when it occurs late in the winter or early spring and last up to a week to 10 days. Areas most susceptible to winter kill include north-facing slopes, heavily shaded areas, poorly drained areas, areas planted with poorly adapted cultivars, areas trafficked during winter, areas of substantial soil compaction, areas that were newly sprigged or seeded last summer, and areas with deficient levels of soil potassium. To reduce the risk of winter kill, it is critical to follow best management practices during the growing season. Those practices would include maintaining appropriate soil fertility, especially potassium levels for Bermuda grass. Potassium is essential in plants to combat disease, aid in water use, and for winter hardiness. Deficiencies of potassium can cause both yield losses and stand losses. Bermuda grass is especially sensitive to potassium deficiencies. Maintaining some substantial Bermuda grass stubble height greater than 4 inches going into winter can be beneficial for the future growing season. Higher stubble height means more substantial root structure to capture deeper soil moisture and nutrients. Maintaining a higher stubble height generally results in increased loading of rhizomes reserves and increases canopy insulation of crowns during the winter. Using best management practices that encourage healthy stands, better nutrient utilization, along with grazing management and hay production practices that extend the longevity of the stand is the producer's best line of defense. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today.
6: Mule deer harvest declined across the nation in 2022. I'm Jessica Dolmull and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And last summer's drought can cause this winter's hay to have low levels of vitamins. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag
5: Today. Parenting is full of surprises.
7: You never know what to expect.
1: We're keeping you informed on everything happening
2: in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Last summer's drought can cause this winter's hay to have low levels of vitamins. Dr. Bob Judd says vitamin A and E are especially important.
8: Low levels of these vitamins can not only affect the cows, but also their calves. Dr. Adele Hardy, formerly with South Dakota State Extension, indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that the ability of producers to provide supplemental vitamin A and E for their animals can be affected by manufacturing problems also. Regardless of the year, supplemental vitamin A and E should be given to cattle this time of year every year. Vitamin A and E are plentiful in green forage, but are much lower in hay and native grasses in the winter. And although you may not see classical clinical signs of a deficiency, the more typical problems are more subtle, such as effects on calf vigor and immunity. Marginal vitamin A deficiency in calves causes a lower responsiveness of immune cells and a breakdown of the protective functions of the GI system and lungs. Vitamin E is important in protecting cells from damage from infections and also plays a role in maintaining immunity. These vitamins do not cross the placenta in large amounts, so the calf must receive these vitamins through the first milk or colostrum. If the cow is deficient in these vitamins, her colostrum will also be deficient. Pregnant cows and heifers should be supplemented with 30,000 to 100,000 units of vitamin A per day and 50 to 100 units vitamin E per day when green forage is not available. Injections of 1 million units of vitamin A can be used to help increase levels in the liver but must be given monthly if this is the only supplementation. A single injection of vitamin A is recommended two weeks prior to calving to boost the vitamin A level. And although you can inject calves with vitamins after they are born, this is not a substitute for supplementing the cows. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau
2: Radio Network. Mule deer harvest declined across the nation in 2022. Jessica Domel takes a closer look in today's wildlife report.
6: 2022 was a below-average year for mule deer hunters across most of the country. According to a new report from the National Deer Association, 14 of the 17 states that reported mule deer hunting reported fewer bucks harvested in 2022. That was down 10% in the West, 12% in the Midwest, and down 27% in the Southeast and Canada. The 2022 harvest was 12% below the running two-year average. Hunters in Montana reportedly harvested the most mule deer bucks at 33,260. Oklahoma hunters harvested the fewest at 201. In Texas, hunters reportedly harvested 6,508 antlered mule deer in 2022. That's down 27% from the 8,916 harvested in 2021 and is lower than the 9,820 harvested in 2020. Antlerless mule deer harvest actually increased in Texas in 2022. According to the report, 1,254 antlerless mule deer were harvested in the Lone Star State in 2022. That's up from 743 in 2021 and 710 harvested in 2020. Nationally, 2022 was a poor year for a majority of antlerless deer hunters. 11 of the 17 states reported reduced harvests. The National 2022 Antlerless Deer Harvest was 21% below the running two-year average. The National Deer Association's annual deer report, which also includes numbers on whitetail deer, can be found on the NDA website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
2: It's time to check those markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're giving you the market
2: information you need on Texas Ag today. Cattle futures closed mostly higher on Wednesday, the exception being the nearby February live cattle contract. It was down 2 cents, closing at 17310, April up 45, 17562 with June up 62 cents, 17280. Feeder cattle finished higher, January feeders up 87, 228.42, the March up 95, 229.77, April feeder cattle up 92 cents at 235.20. Cash fed cattle trade still at a stand still this week so far. We do see some bids from the Packers at 171, feedlots here in the south asking 175 and better. Boxed beef was higher on Wednesday. Choice up 2.94 at 2.97.93. Select up 2.20 at 2.82.18. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Kenny
9: Mingus sells cattle at Milam County Livestock Auction each Friday in Cameron. Kenny, how was your last sale?
0: Well, it was good, Larry. You know, we had 1436. Out of that mix, we had 237 cows and 32 bulls with 66 buyers.
9: Walk the pants with me.
0: With the steers under 300, $2 to 330. Three to 400 pound steers, 175 to 332. Four to 500 pound steers, 138 to 306. And over 500, $1 to $3. On the heifers under 300, 190 to 265. Heifers weigh three to 400, 150 to 290. Three to four hundred, four to five hundred pound efforts, 115 to 270, and over 590 to 249. They added some money to these Packer cows, uh, 40 to 108, Packer bull is 80 to 129, on your uh, on your bread cows, 500 to 1600, and on your uh, cow calf pairs, nine and a quarter to 17 and a quarter.
9: It sounds like you had a good sale. Do you know of anything coming this week? What's the sale schedule going to be like?
0: Oh, I don't know. You know, we haven't had any calls today. There were some people that did not uh work last week and sell cattle because of the weather you know i think it's going to be cold as heck tomorrow in central texas but i think the weather's supposed to break and i believe that you know some of these people are probably gonna get out and sell some cattle mm-hmm. um, you know this market's good and uh, like i said some people didn't come because they were scared of the weather last week and i think they'll come this week so i think we'll have a pretty decent run uh, as long as we don't get weather bent again Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be we'll be looking forward to it, and we'll do the best we can.
9: Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Kenny Mingus.
0: You bet. At the office, two five four six nine seven six six nine seven. Follow us on our webpage at MilamCountyLivestockAuction.com or catch us on Facebook.
9: Kenny, thanks for being on the program. Kenny Mingus, Milam County Livestock Auction, Cameron, sells them every Friday. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. I do walk in the pens every Monday through Friday right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening to me right this second on Texas Ag Today.
2: Back over to the futures market. Now we're lean hogs finished higher on Wednesday. February hogs up 67 cents, 71.45, with April up 40, 77.97. Class 3 milk steady to higher. The nearby January contract unchanged at 15.16 100. Wait, with February milk up to 15.75. 100. Cotton closed higher on Wednesday. We did see triple-digit gains earlier in the session, but we backed that off a bit. On the close, we have finished slightly higher with March cotton up 37 points, 81.70. May cotton up 41, 82.69. December cotton down 20 points, 79.79 cents. Corn market slightly lower again. The March contract hitting life of contract lows. It was down one and a quarter, 442 and a quarter, while September corn was down two, 467 and three quarters. Wheat market finishing lower, especially hard wheat. We are sitting at the lowest prices now that we've seen on Kansas City wheat futures in two years. We're back below $6 on the spot contract. March down seven and a half, 494 a bushel. New crop July wheat down six and a half at 602 and a half. Soft wheat in Chicago was mixed. March up a half, 582 and a half. New crop July down three and a quarter, 602 a bushel. In the energy markets, February natural gas was down 2 cents at 287. February, West Texas crude up 27 cents, seventy two sixty seven a barrel. The financial markets lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 139 points, 37,221. The NASDAQ down 118 at 14,826. The S&P down 33, 4,732. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A.